Um, my name is Chayel Highland. Um, I'm 18 years old. I was born and raised in Queens, New York. I love Queens. You know, I love everything about it. Um, I've always loved food. I like when people say, you know, like, oh, when did you start becoming passionate about food? I like to say, you know, I, I was born passionate about food. Like I was born, you know, chewing on a chicken leg, you know, that that's what I was doing. I really I've loved food since, you know, I came out the womb. So um, right. it's always been a good experience for me. Um, I I didn't start like actually getting into the kitchen until like, you know, I was kind of tall enough to kind of like reach the stove <laughs> and whatnot. And the first thing I remember making was um, try, trying to recreate the soup from Ratatouille when um, Remy was like throwing in all the ingredients. Um, it was fun. It didn't taste the best, but it was still, you know, fun to, to make. We were just getting random ingredients, my brother and I, my twin brother, I have a twin. <laughs> and it was, it was crazy, but it was really fun. And, you know, we didn't eat it all, but it was really fun to make. And, you know, every now and then, after that, I would start, you know, gathering ingredients, helping my grandma, um, helping my mom in the kitchen. Um, my grandma, she's from Guyana and so is my mom. So whenever they're making, you know, like Caribbean dishes, like, you know, coconut buns or like um, curry, I would always be there trying to help like knead the dough and whatnot. And nice. it was always so much fun. So I've always been, I've always took joy in the kitchen. I've always taken joy in food, but I didn't start thinking of it as a career until I got to probably like seventh grade. And that's when I first heard about food and finance. Um, my mom was on the train and she saw someone like with the school uniform on and she was like, oh, food and finance. And I was like, oh, food and finance. So then, Thing. All right. right, right, exactly. So I looked it up and I was like, yeah, this is where I need to be. So um, I applied my next year and I got in. I was so happy. And from there, it's just, you know, it's just been up. Like my passion for food has just grown from there. I've just, I cook all the time now. And not only do I cook like for fun, you know, I, I do it with like now with that um, technical background. So everything nice. is better than it was, you know, before. It's not just like fun and games, but it's still fun. But, you know, yeah. I'm more looking towards like, you know, the career path, you know, people say if you um, do something that you love or if you do something like, you know, you really have a passion about, then you never work a day in your life. And I'll, I'll never be working a day in my life. So. Hey, girl. It's true, um, though. It's true. I can attest to it. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much it. I love food. <laughs> All right. Now, did we because Ratatouille is one of my favorites. Did we ever figure out what that soup was? I have no clue. I mean, I we'll there have to was like some out. radish that went in there. <laughs> there was some basil that went in there. I just would love to know what the stock was. I was yeah. just like, because that first round when Remy was trying to fix it, or yeah, when he was trying to fix it, it was like he had he, you know, it was terrible when he first yeah. walked over there. And I was like, what did that boy put in this soup to try <laughs> to fix it? Because come on now, like it couldn't have been that far off. I'm like, if you filled half of it and then you threw in a bunch of stuff like that wasn't <laughs> never mind we can talk about that later yeah <laughs> i was like and next <laughs> right but i yeah I love um, dearly. <laughs> um my name is hasana sabri um i'm a senior at food and finance high school and i would say that my love for food didn't start to like Later on, like eighth grade and middle school, because in the beginning, well, my father's an artist and he would always give me like canvases to um, paint on. And, you know, I always thought that would be like my career path. But uh, one summer in eighth grade, no, actually in seventh grade, I, uh, my, mo my mother gave me this American Girl doll cookbook. And I was looking through it and I saw like a recipe for uh, strawberry shortcake scones. And I would make that like every week. You know, getting tired of the scones and <laughs> them dry scones. But um, yeah, that's kind of like what piqued my love for um, cooking. And then in eighth grade, my mom actually found um, Food and Finance, looking through like the, the high school books. And that was like my only choice that I really wanted to go to. I put that as my top and only choice on the list. And um, happily, I got in. So um, that's really how like cooking kind of like piqued my interest. Okay. Now what's the process for like applying to food and finance? So I think most people, a lot of cities do not offer that kind of like education mm -hmm. path for most students. And, and I think like I lived in Arizona, I grew up in New Jersey. So there's private schools for very specific things. They kind of focus on kids mm -hmm. who want to like work in performing arts, but it's a rare thing to have like a different focus for a high school. Yeah. So um, one of the high schools I went to, they had a culinary arts program, but it was more like home economics and not so much mm -hmm. um, kind of like the intensive training that you typically get. It was essentially, you could like probably leave that high school and, and started at like the, maybe on the, I, you, you definitely going to start the grill station. 
Now you're probably <laughs> going to start at the Garmage and work your way up. So it definitely mm-hmm. sets you up for that. But it wasn't like, oh, you can go straight out of high school and become like a sous chef. That was not going to be an option. You could probably get into culinary school, maybe. But um, so, yeah. So what was the process for like application? Like once you guys figured out what you that you that was the school you wanted to go to, what, what did that look like? And you can, um, so, and anybody can. Okay. And I was like, if whoever wants to answer, just raise their hands and we'll, we'll go that. <laughs> it's not like that weird. You gonna answer it or I'm not gonna answer it. It's not. <laughs> um. So since it is like a public high school, it was kind of like how any other like New York public high school would be. You put it on this. Well, my school they gave you like a list and you put it on the list, and then I think it was like a raffle. I, I oh, think man. it's something like that in New York. It's oh, like a raffle. Um. And you, well, what I did, I went to like the, um, like when you visit the school and stuff, but it's nothing like no tests and no, like anything specific. It's just really like, if you apply, then we'll see if like, if you go in or not. So, yeah. Okay. That's, that's kind of wild kingdomish for high school. (laughs) (laughs) This is the neighborhood you live in. This is the school you go to was really kind of like, that's that's it. And so people would be like, all right, you put your name in this hat and we're going to see what happens. Uh, Yeah, It was good because like, if you went to the open house, like if you went to visit the school, then you have a higher chance of getting in. So pretty much like all the people I saw at the open house, they were all there, like in the, um, in the school. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you really wanted to go to a school, like there were different steps that you, you can take. And not all the schools are like a lottery or like a raffle. Like some schools you do have to take a test, but like the school you, you didn't yeah. have to. So it's really, you know, based on like how much you want it. And like, if you're really interested, then you would go to the open house and, you know, and you would see what it's about and, nice. you know, you get to go to yeah. the school. So it was, it was good. All right. All right. Now for is, um, you said like seventh and eighth grade was kind of like that moment where you're like, okay, it made the switch from this is like fun to like, you know what, let's see if we can like shape a life here yeah. from you know, from this work, um, were there anyone, and I, I guess it's hard to like, not ask about like people that you've paid attention to that have already done the work that you want to do. Um, so I'm, I was able like away from the kind of the folks that most of us are, are watching anyway, is there anyone close to home? Like, is there a, a local restaurateur? Is there a local, a local chef that you've kind of been like really looking at their path and their trajectory and going, this is the kind of work I can see myself doing. Is there anyone kind of shaping a little bit of what you want and kind of the path you want to create for yourself? I would say for me, like in my family, no one, there's no chefs. The only chefs actually my great grandma, my grandma's um, mom who's in Guyana, she used to have a shop. So um, what they would do in Guyana, there's a shop and like a market called Border Market. And um, every day or like every Saturday, there would be like a whole lot of different vendors selling, you know, um, like cakes and buns and curry and uh, stew, stew chicken and goats and a whole bunch of different things. So my grandma would wake up like my great grandma would wake up like really early in the morning with my mom and like um, her brothers and they would start like cooking and start putting things together, start kneading the dough and like pick up everything and take it over to the market. So that's the stories that, you know, my mom and like my grandma have have told me. And then I kind of like followed in their footsteps. And I asked my mom every day, I'm like, do you think great grandma would be proud? And she's like, yeah, she should be real proud, you know? Yeah. So that's pretty much like something like I, I always, you know, I guess it's like in, in my blood or like in the family's blood, you know, always be cooking and, you know, always be in the kitchen. And, um, my mom says like, you would go into the kitchen and all the, the, um, the cupboards, all the handles would have flour on them. And like, you know, she, she wouldn't be using like, you know, measuring cups or spoons or anything. And I'm like, maybe I should do that. Let's, let's go ahead and, that's um, not a thing, man. That's right. not a thing. Like, uh, you put a pinch in and then you just, it just looks right when it's in there. You're just right. like, I don't, right. I don't know what that measurement means. Um, they're like, right. put enough in there until it's enough. You're like, <laughs> oh, okay okay right, exactly exactly and it was crazy because she said that it was perfect like every time so i'm like okay okay it's, it's that gift it's, it's a gift yeah, so, i mean it's, you know. a, it's, a, it's a true <laughs> it's a true feel sometimes you're just because <laughs> there are moments where you'll cook something and you're just like oh okay i think i did everything correctly but that still doesn't taste the way i remember it tasting yeah and someone else made it and you're like what am i doing <laughs> wrong and they can't even really tell you it's just like no it's not but see was the, yeah. the ingredient that people don't miss <laughs> Just, just vibes. It's a feeling, like, right, okay, right, right. Feeling. Got all these other yeah. ingredients, and y'all forgot to put like you need vibes for this recipe. <laughs> so, if you don't have vibes, this is not going to taste the way you think right. it's going to taste. Come and on, that's, I think the challenge with a lot of food and the way we, mm-hmm. the way we explain cooking to people is that we mm-hmm. give them recipes, and it's just like 
well, I did it and it looks the way the picture is. It looks like what I saw in a restaurant, but I'm not getting the same feeling from it. I don't understand why this is not like mm-hmm. hitting all these spots. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, because you're missing them vibes. Yeah. No, I can't <laughs> teach you that part. Like I can give you the list of ingredients and the, and the measurements, but I can't give you vibes. I'm sorry about that. And it's like, right. it's the same with a lot of things. I'm like, right. same with black culture in general. You're just like, I can give y'all the, the dance mm-hmm. steps and the actual counts and the choreography, but right. I can't give you them vibes. So I don't know what you plan on doing, right. but That's it's not going to look the same. Right, right. Uh, Hasana, what's your, what was yours? Like, what was your, uh, who's that person or that, you know, that, that space in the community that kind of gives you the, a vision mm-hmm. for the future for yourself? Um, well, I would have to say, like, I would always see my mother in the kitchen and also my grandmother always coming over, helping make food and like bringing it over. But also my other grandmother, uh, I would always go to her house. She would always make um, bean soup. That was my favorite. And, you know, the cornbread, like the classic. Mm. And um, another one would be like uh, (laughs) one of my uh, grandmother's friends. Her name was Halima. And she would always cook for the masjid. And we'd always have like cookovers and everyone would bring in food. And it was just like a huge like event that would be happening. And like I would always see it and like different foods everyone would bring from their homes and everything was good. And it was just like the community that like food brought just really like opened my eyes. Like, oh, like food is like really a big thing that like people love yeah. and it really brings people together. So like that was just something that really like sparked my interest. So, yeah. You know, that is I think it's the thing that kind of kept me always doing it because I I didn't become a chef till I was 30. Mm-hmm. So it was like I did. I did a lot of mm-hmm. other stuff before then. My big thing was like I, I went to art school. And I became a graphic designer mm-hmm. and I did a lot of other things. And what was interesting is like making the transition. I ran into a lot of chefs that had done this, who, was on, who were on the same path. They were like, yeah, I was an art student or I was a designer for a long time. And then I decided like, you know, food was I, food was the curiosity. And so you kind of started chasing that curiosity and you found like there were these parallels between what you did before and what you do now. And um, I yeah. think the one thing that I am grateful for is that you had chefs now who are more well-rounded like food isn't the only thing so it makes what they do in food more interesting i think that's been a a challenge like historically you see how good lord how like culinary education has always worked and you have to kind of just be like completely focused on it and if you're not doing just that then you're you know you're kind of goofing off you're not serious about it but Mm -hmm. i found like the food that's the most delicious the most inventive um the most innovative and that tells the best story are from people who have a life that's not just food because all of those influences show up. And um, so I'm hoping like in the future that we, we give ourselves more space to like do that, to pursue other things besides that, and then bring all of those experiences back to the plate and, uh, and go from there. So um, now in your, you know, for me, I'm always looking at things like, okay, what can we be fixing? Like at this point, Food, I think we've gotten to a point where like Eurocentric, like culinary training and kind of like centering um, white stories and whiteness and white techniques in the middle of like food mm-hmm. has got us to where we are now. Like we, you can't really go too much further. Mm-hmm. And the only way to yeah. kind of push food forward is to start to recognize that there are people in the world who are cooking other things in different ways with different tools, Mm -hmm. um, who have different relationships with food and like agriculture. And if we don't start to insert those particular stories and those voices, it's going to get boring real quick. Um, Which I mean, for me, like when people are like, well, how do you feel about food right now? I'm like, I'm bored to tears is what it is. I'm bored. Like, is anyone else bored? Is no one else bored with this? How many ways can you stuff like a pita pocket? How many ways can you, what do we... How many ways can I make kale? Like how many? <laughs> right, right. With all right. Of the wild cabbages in the world, why did we f- live here? Like, why did we stop <laughs> with just kale? What about collards? Like, what right. about mustard greens? What about all the other things that are growing from the ground? Right. And y'all stopped with mm. kale. I don't, don't <laughs> I'm like, I'm not mad at kale, but I've had enough of it. Right. So right. I, <laughs> part of it for me is like, boredom <laughs> so i was just like oh god please let's not train the next generation of like chefs and food people to be doing the same mm. business because we are just gonna it's i i can't do it i just i'm out so for <laughs> you guys like what do you first what is like really annoying for you right now when you look at the world of food and two like what is it that you hope to really insert or assert yourself or how you want to assert yourself in the industry once you're like really kind of in it in the thick of it 
For me, I would say like something that really annoys me is like the remaking and kind of like the like the re kind of like purposing of like foods that are important to me, like like let's say like ethnic foods. So I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw like oh jerk chicken, and I was seeing some white on the on the chicken. I'm like, what's that? What is this? What is going on? <laughs> it was embarrassing, and I was like, are you really gonna advertise this as jerk chicken? And like it just doesn't make sense. Like if you're gonna take something from like my culture, like do it correctly. That's just like my opinion. Like, you know, just try to, you know, get the seasonings correct. Like right. at least, you know, plate it correctly. But I would like to see like more education. Like I know like culinary school, a lot of people go to culinary school, but like you said, it's very Eurocentric, you know, Italian, um, French, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's like, you know, kind of like the basic things that we learn too, especially like even in a school where it, um it's predominantly like minorities or like Latino or black, we're learning, you know, French cooking techniques and so on. And mm-hmm. we didn't get to learn, you know, techniques from different cultures until 11th grade. And I think that's a little bit too long, you know, because yeah. it's stuff that's important to us and it's stuff that, you know, we want to incorporate throughout everything that we do, not just kind of like something on the side of like, oh, let's do something ethnic on Fridays, you know, like, oh, I don't want to, you know, yeah. I, it needs to be like an overall, you know, kind of thing. So I would love to see more education on that, not just like yeah. a one skill, but like kind of like overall. So the same um, emphasis that we put on like European um, cooking and cooking techniques is the same amount of emphasis I want to see on like Jamaican, Caribbean, you know, all those different um, countries that have a lot of good flavors. You know, they have amazing fruits and amazing, you know, different things and everything. Something I always realized with like Caribbean cooking, it's like, it's not like fatty. It's, you know, it's mostly like healthy. Everything is grilled or stewed yep. or, you know, yeah. and, you know, sometimes we tend to like stray away from that. So a lot more education on that part of the spectrum, you know. That would be ma'am for you. Um, I would have to say, (laughs) (laughs) uh, she kind of said everything. I really like hit the ballpark, but um, just, just yeah, just more education overall, and just (laughs) something I would have to say that like I'm kind of tired of seeing is just like doing, like trying to make something new, but just adding something that's not doesn't really matter like people try to make like fried chicken with like cheeto dust and like no stuff like that it's just like okay like but what are we really doing with that like nobody's bringing that (laughs) to the cookout like (laughs) just like please like like, why like what was the purpose of that just like and also like teaching you know like the classic stuff and just like in school like actually teaching it and as chayel said not just it being like a special event you know learning about different ethnic groups just also and like French cuisine doesn't have to be like the top of the top. Like it should be like everything that's like professional. I, so, so yeah. yeah. I mean, let's, yeah. I'm gonna keep it real. Like I always <laughs> thought that French cuisine was limited, and it was it mm-hmm. worked for it. It's a it's very elitist and classist, mm-hmm. and it doesn't like I when I talk. I, I remember I taught a class, and we did French onion soup. And so, of course, the first thing you want to do is make sure people understand, like, the origins of that soup and who was cooking it and how they were cooking it. And so the fact that it was like, you know, people's minds were blown that it was a peasant soup. It was a soup for the poor. And it was what was left over. Like most poor communities, you find you whatever you have left over is what you use. Um, You know, wine was an option. It wasn't necessarily something that you had left over. So if you did have a little wine left over, that's what went in. So now when you're looking at recipes for it people are like okay buy yourself some beef stock and i'm like these people couldn't afford beef stock (laughs) right right this is is like french onion soup is the result of onion scraps that you have cooked for sometimes up to 14 hours right and that's where all of that flavor comes from because it's water Mm -hmm. and onions and that's it Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. you had a little bit of cheese you put that on there if you had a little stale bread you put that on there but it was like this is a peasant dish and so that really changed how people approached cooking it they mm-hmm. were less concerned about it turning out a certain way and looking sexy and everything in the bowl and all that stuff. It was like, oh, this is not this is not an elitist meal. And I'm like, so a lot of French cooking is shaped by French gentry and French um, monarchy and stuff like that. When you look at French desserts, a lot of it comes from like the court of Louis the Louis the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, twelfth, twenty fourth. All of them right. were like because sugar was expensive, right? Even though they were using slaves to get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was expensive. And yeah, so right. It's like the fact that you could get your hands on sugar if you were making minimum wage in France at that point, you know, at least pre-revolution. And uh, 
the monarchy could get their hands on sugar. It was an import. It was expensive. And so they made desserts out of it. So this is like, for me, even what we understand about European cooking is still off by a lot of degrees. And mm-hmm. so it still creates kind of this sense of us and them on the plate. Like, okay, these are ingredients you you probably don't understand. I'm like, what do you, what, what is there to understand about butter? <laughs> right, right. Help me, like, right. Help me under, what, what's your point here? And so, you know, most of those things are cheaper cuts of meat. Like a lot of those dishes are elevated to a point where even the people who originally started cooking them, it's out of their, out of their reach at that point. They can't yeah. afford the ingredients anymore. You know, butter becomes real bougie all of a sudden. I'm just like, <laughs> all right, anything I can make at home in my food processor with a little cheesecloth and some water. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you really saying to me right now? <laughs> right. So right. it's just that idea of like the fact that you would eliminate all of these other cuisines from around the world. I mean, most of these fools didn't have spices or fruits without coming to islands and other continents and like, r- you know, raping their grounds and taking them out of there. And it's just mm-hmm. like, so you guys came right. and brought your colonization and your imperialism and you stole everything and mm-hmm. then you took it back to your country and now it's like this is how you should cook right. food mm. right like, where's right. the right. i mean look, look, look. okay you didn't even <laughs> have spices until there was country, <laughs> right so now you want to tell me how to use them okay <laughs> sure all right then yeah. fine. Uh, <laughs> sure we'll come back we'll revisit that later um <laughs> So for now, I know they they're starting like a food media program for uh, food and finance mm-hmm. at some point here, and they have of course like the you know past spatula, and that was like I you know there's a copy for me sitting right up here at this point. <laughs> um, what was a your you know like your contribution to that process, and then what was like what do you look what are you looking to do if do you want to stay in food media? Is there something you want mm-hmm. to do or create in that space that you don't see yet? Um, well, for me, well, both of us, we were the co-creative directors of Past Spatula. So, <laughs> so, um, that job was basically, we would work with, um, close with Carrie, which is, um, the owner of Cherry Bomb. And we would kind of oh, like, yes, girl, we, me, uh, me and Carrie are good friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me and Carrie yeah. Friends. She's awesome. Yeah. So it was yeah. basically like, uh, you know, doing like some art for the, um, for Past Spatula. And like the layouts and Shail created the um the cover for Past Spatula, which everyone loves. And it was, um, that's basically it. Really Thank you. Yeah. And that was like our job for it basically. And um I hope kind of like moving on into like my cooking career, kind of I always talk about this any interview I do, but like kind of trying to take away the stereotypes of halal food and like it yeah. not just being you know, like the Arab trucks, like on like the corner <laughs> stores, and, you yeah, know, like yeah. right. over rice, like with the white sauce. Like, why you ask me what's right. in the white sauce? I don't know. <laughs> and like, just like trying to like everything. And just like yeah. halal food is just like the way something is killed. Like you pray over it first, and then like you kill it, and you like you sacrifice it. But you know, right. halal food could be anything. You know, like. Black people got halal food. White people got halal food. It's just like something that you cook and anything can be like, quote unquote, like halal food. It's not just, you know, like the airy, Arab stereotypical type of food. So that's something I would like it's to like break. People in, like, feel the like they understand, um, they understand kosher, but you don't mm-hmm. understand halal. Like, right, right. I'm right, struggling right. with that. I don't, <laughs> okay, sure. Right. Um, right. So, because when you go, okay, so do you understand like kosher? Like, do you understand what happens when someone has to like, you know, offer mm-hmm. up a kosher product or a kosher meal? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so you are adjacent to understanding how the other one works right. too. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't, why are you confused about this? <laughs> oh, so, because most people think it's a right. genre of food. Mm, and right. I'm yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. No, none of that's right. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> This goes back to your point, both of your points about education yeah. and why it is mm-hmm. vital to, to like talk about that in a lot of spaces and ab- about all these things in a lot mm-hmm. of spaces. So, yeah, I would love to see like a, a total halal section in like major mag- major food magazines. Like, can we yeah. do a spread yeah. on all of that? Because <laughs> yeah, people need to get it done. Was not just right. the- <sighs> yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. I will go off on a tangent. <laughs> um, Sh- for you, <laughs> Shia, 
So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I will keep going. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was also, I helped with um, like the design aspect of the magazine. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, we had to use like a whole lot of different like softwares. And it was scary at first because like I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Like things were deleting. I was like, wait, <laughs> what's going on? And it was just crazy. But, you know, we got the hang of it and it started becoming fun and it started becoming kind of like a hobby. So I thought to myself, okay, this is a good skill to have. And I know we talked about, you know, being like well-rounded. Yeah. And like, I know we talked about like art too, like art really is a big aspect of like food in general, because you need to have like that creative yeah. mind and that, you know, that, that kind of vision of like what you want to see yeah. get done in order to like get it done and, you know, be organized about it. So I, I do like art in that sense, you know, I, I may not be able to, you know, draw very nicely, but you know, I could put an abstract piece together. I could be some, a little bit of colors, you there know, you <laughs> right, right. So you right. Know, I, I really like view art in that way, you know, art, you know, whether it's on a, a laptop or like on a piece of paper, you can bring that into food and, you know, what I, I what I also want to see like further in the food industry is kind of like um, more of an appreciation for like ingredients and like an appreciation for like the food as a whole, not necessarily you know like it, okay like oh okay it tastes good okay it's gonna taste good but like you need to yeah. like you know kind of like dig a little deeper like you know sometimes I would go to a restaurant and you know it looks great and everything mm -hmm. but like do you know like where it came from like do you know like you know was it wasn't like local like do you know like the difference between okay yeah. like is this fish like um if it was a like, grown like farm grown or if it was, like wild you know like I feel like there needs to be a little bit more appreciation mm -hmm. for that because you know once you start yeah. to like, appreciate you know where the food came from like once you take a bite you start to like savor it and you start to be like oh okay you know so every bite it just you know it, mm -hmm. it should like you know take you back it should it should be an experience not just like okay i'm trying to fill my belly i'm kind of stuffed you know it should be an yeah. experience so rather yeah. than just like you know eating to be full to eat to have an experience if that makes sense yeah. people people in here just with the caloric intake they're just like okay well <laughs> I need to eat because, you know, I need the calories and that's it. <laughs> and if you ask people like what something tasted like, if you get an answer. That's fantastic. <laughs> like, well, how did that taste? It was good. I'm like, okay. <laughs> pudding is right. good. I need, I need more information from you. Right, right. Uh, like, right. Did you taste anything in it? Did you taste the citrus? Did you taste the, the heat? Like what did, what happened there? Mm -hmm, and I, mm -hmm. it, you're right. Like people just kind of eat to, to be full and they just move on. And it's, it's so funny that, that that problem just continues and continues and continues. Yeah. And for anyone who works in food, it's infinitely frustrating because you're just like, I'm doing all of this work. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about where these ingredients are sourced. Yeah. I'm the one mm -hmm. looking at the labels and, and making sure that whoever I'm sourcing from is like doing what they say they're doing and all that. Like I'm the one doing the quality checks and I'm yeah. making sure like my staff is washing their hands and that, yeah. and that we're doing everything at the right temperature. Like you're doing, you're taking care of people in such a way and people forget that's an extension of you. And it's, it's mm -hmm. exhausting because it's not just you putting food exactly. on a plate. It's you caring about each individual person yeah. that's going eat and then they're like it's good like i didn't just spend 14 hours trying to make this stop for you to tell me it's good it's you know, good so <laughs> <laughs> i could have told myself it's good like girl look i mean if we can i think it's part of like food media too like our the responsibility of food media too is to give people new vocabulary to talk about yeah. what they eat and it, it just hasn't so far and mm -hmm. i think like all the independent publishers or pu um, publications that are coming up, like Whetstone and For the Culture and Past the Special, like all of these smaller, uh, Cherry Bomb Magazine, these smaller publications are giving people the vocabulary they need to really talk about food in a way that's that respects the chef, that respects yeah. the farmer, that respects the, the fisherman. And, you know, uh, not, not for nothing, I'm going to talk bad about nobody's job, <laughs> but, you know, these large publications exist for a reason, mm -hmm. or at least they did. Yeah. And, you know, I feel some of them have lost their way a little bit about what, why they do what they do. And, you know, if you cannot hold on to your why, most of it just goes away and it's yeah. just, like, it just falls apart. And yeah. so I think, they, you know, to lose sight of why you do what you do, you end up with what we had in the last year where you see some publications just they had a hard time and, you know, people were like, we, we, can't, we can't do this with you all no more. So let's yeah, just yeah. figure it out. Um, and I, I was the, the editor in chief of my like high school newspaper um, mm. my senior year. And so this was, uh, wow. Um, yeah. When Macs <laughs> still were green and we still had to use like floppy disks to save <laughs> stuff and there was no real internet. So all of that was 
Yeah. We didn't have design <laughs> programs. We literally laid the whole newspaper out by hand. Oh, wow. Um, wow. It was wild. And so I was like, ooh, yeah. But it was the translation from that <laughs> into design school was a lot easier for me because mm-hmm. I knew what the tactical experience was. I knew like the, you know, people who were like, I've only ever designed on a computer. And I was like, but I mm-hmm. knew how things should work because I understood what they looked like off of the computer. Yeah. And so I had an easier time kind of approaching that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, I, you know, I learned Photoshop and I learned Illustrator and InDesign and all those things. And so like, I understand like when you first approach some of those programs, <laughs> you're just like, yeah. What is this? Yeah, like, what? I don't understand. What are you saying to me right now? Kerning? What? Okay, so the letters have to be spread apart by how much? And just, right, right, right. just the vocabulary, just the, the language of that and just how mm-hmm. to take the idea in your head and try to like infer it to other people so that they can, so like your team can actually execute it as well. Um, I think that's part of the like those shared skills that you have in food as well. Yeah. It's like you have a dish in your head and you're, you have a team of people you're working with. You're like, this is what I'm thinking it should look like or how it should be plated or how it should taste. Mm-hmm. So do I have the vocabulary to explain that to you? I don't know. Because sometimes <laughs> right, you just, right. say, oh, just get out the way, I'll do it. Because I know what I'm looking for. Right. Um, yeah. Now, as far as like pushing food into the future, because I think another thing that I'm kind of obsessed with right now is how do Black communities and brown communities innovate. I think one of the things that we are left out of those conversations about innovation a lot and like technology and moving things into the future, considering we invented most of the things that keep people safe in this country, like streetlights and things Mm -hmm. of that nature, um, we are often left out of conversations around um, technological advancement and invention and things like that. Food specifically, Mm -hmm. like it, you know, people always want to kind of pull us back into spaces like, oh, well, you know, Case in point, you go into a place and they're just like, so do you make like fried chicken and stuff? And you're just like, <laughs> I can. Right, right. But I can do a lot of other <laughs> right. things. So it's this idea of kind of extracting you from the, the mm-hmm. timeline you're in and putting you in another place and leaving you outside of those conversations about like um, molecular gastronomy. You don't see very many black people in those spaces. Like right, you see right. people, you know, blowing air yeah. into something or, you know, <laughs> taking a fish and turning it into a cube and all those things. <laughs> It's usually not mm-hmm. black faces behind those moments. And so mm-hmm. for, for you right. guys, like when you're looking into the future and, you know, you're thinking about how food can innovate, specifically like the food you grew up with, because I know there's a couple of dishes in my family history where I'm just like, what would this be like if I did these things, if I introduced these ingredients or maybe this particular technique? So is there anything you're kind of like looking at right now going, this could be really interesting if we took this this dish that's traditional for us and like maybe did this with it. I know for me, like my mom, she likes to innovate a lot. <laughs> Sorry. Like she does a lot of crazy things. Like she, she tells me like when I was younger, she used to put like food coloring in like cauliflower so that like we could eat it. And like, you know, it, it was, it was interesting, you know, <laughs> but, but you know, it was, it was good, but she's done a lot of innovative things. I think one thing, you know, that that's been innovative that I've liked is like adding fruits to things like, tropical fruits to like things that usually don't have fruits. So let's say like jerk sauce, for example, mm. we can add like a little bit of pineapple or a little bit of like mango or like a tropical fruit, like from where we are to kind of like bring out a flavor, that sweetness, you know, it kind of brings it out and it kind of enhances like the flavor. So, you know, we use a lot of um, like allspice and cloves and, you know, a lot of like pepper and stuff like that. I think, you know, those ingredients are great, but if we can kind of like step out just just a little bit not to the point that's where like it. we're using hot cheetos on our jerk chicken but like yeah, the point no, no, that's not innovative that's just dumb that's, that's bad like, that's, I'm just saying, that's dumb <laughs> nasty and it is i don't think right. not innovative at all <laughs> but like maybe using like fruits or things that are like in that <laughs> that <old> vicinity <laughs> to kind of bring out flavor and kind of you know bring something new to the table so we don't lose it completely but right. kind of like a little add on to it a little bit subtly like one bit at a time mm-hmm. got you got you Ma'am, for her, <laughs> is there some advancements um, well, you'd for like me? to see in your own, like in your own kitchen? Like, is there something? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, oh, for me, I would have to say, like, I usually see like a lot of advancements when I go into like my grandma's kitchen, because like for her, she she just like puts everything together and like boom, there's a dish. But like, she doesn't really think before, like she. <laughs> No, not like that. <laughs> like when she cooks, it just comes to her. And that's something that like doesn't really happen to me. I have to like read something and like that's just like naturally doesn't happen. So like what she does, like she would take like 
fried chicken, but she makes like a like a stew out of it. And she puts like onions and garlic and like cloves in there. And like, it's just, like really good. We ask her like, yeah. oh, grandma, can you make that stew again? She's like, of course, baby. And like, it's just like something that just naturally happens. So <laughs> just trying to make different <laughs> dishes out of the stuff you have in okay. your refrigerator. Because like, I hate like wasting, <laughs> I hate like wasting the food and like seeing it like, I don't know, go bad. It's like, I just don't know how to cook like certain things that are in my refrigerator. And I always have to like search up like different recipes for it. It's just like, it's a struggle sometimes. Yeah. But, like something that I would like to happen is like find more, like more recipes to be out there for like simpler, like ingredients that like you just find in your kitchen or like something that would like just be in your kitchen, but you don't know how to cook and it just, they're just like spoiling. So stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like use what you have. I mean, it's, I think that's a important conversation to start having um, considering where we Mm -hmm. are with like climate change and food waste and all of those things. It's like, how can we help the world? How can we help people in their own kitchens, like figure out how to utilize the product they have? Um, You know, like hot Cheetos are going to last for 15 years. That's not, not worried about that. I'm not worried about your crunchy snacks, you know, being utilized in that way. But when you're, you know, when you're buying a pack of salad or something, the way people do, I'm like, how can you take these products that, mm-hmm. I mean, look, you bought them. We can't stop you at that point, but we can help you mm-hmm. do something else with them. Because I, I was one of those people who, they, oh, I got this bag of salad that keeps going bad. I'm like, why don't you just cook it? Like, right. stop trying to eat it raw. Mm-hmm. Just throw it in a pan with <laughs> yeah. butter and, some, and a little salt. Start there. Start with some salt and pepper and a little bit of fat and saute those roots. Yeah, yeah. That way you'll eat them. They'll re- I mean, of yeah. course, it's a bag of salad, so it'll probably reduce down to like a couple of vegetables. But <laughs> that's you know, we all live with that mm-hmm. reality of like yeah. spinach oh, reduced wow. down to like a quarter <laughs> teaspoon or something. But yeah. it's like <laughs> at least if you've cooked it, you'll eat it, and you're not going to sit here and feel like taxed about mm-hmm. making a salad. Like, yes, just, girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are there any, is there anything happening right now in food, uh, whether it be with a chef specifically or with like an ingredient that you're really interested about and that you're really excited about that you like to kind of get your hands on that you haven't been able to, Mm. to connect with yet? I'll let Hasna go first. (laughs) It tells you everything you need to know. That's why I said when I said things was boring. Um, I was like, I was like, like, I've been seeing a lot of things with like people trying to make like everything like vegan and like vegetarian and like making like pulled pork out of like jackfruit and stuff okay. like that. And just like being really creative with like different things that like you wouldn't really put like fruit and like meat together. And there's this other trend um on TikTok. They're making like uh like putting flour in the water, making like that fake chicken. I forget what it's called. Yeah, Seatons, I know what you're talking about. Something like that. A seitan. It's- Yeah,这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个，这个
it's not really healthy for you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really soy that's grown to become other things like plastics and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But we have a surplus. And so what do you do with it? You create these vegan and vegetarian markets and products (laughs) that, um, that allow you to push these kind of commercial vegan products Mm. like you know cheeses and stuff like that and so they don't taste great but they're everywhere now because (laughs) we've got to get this soy somewhere yeah and so like when people are thinking about that Mm -hmm. it's like oh and like you know to your point shot it was like where does your food come from right why are they motivated to sell this to you right now Mm -hmm. why is it that you couldn't get like there was a moment in time where eat to become a vegan really expensive yeah couldn't get your hands on the product. Yeah. There was like one vegan cheese in the world. Everybody eating a lot of other stuff. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's yeah. literally at Target and Walmart. Everywhere. What does that tell mm-hmm. you? That's yeah. a signal that like, okay, capitalism has has kicked in and now they want you to buy these mm-hmm. products. Why do they want you to buy these specific products? What was it about jackfruit yeah. that mm-hmm. was like, this could become a really great pulled pork sandwich. Somebody did it one <laughs> time. It probably tasted fantastic because the product we have right now is horrible. <laughs> I was like, this tastes mm. terrible. Why does this taste like a wet sock? I don't, <laughs> I don't encourage anyone to eat this. Right. This right. Um, so yeah, so this is like, again, like education is like, uh, it's so funny that all of this kind of comes back to like mm-hmm. teaching people about what they buy and what they eat and why it's important that they make decisions based on like good information. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause most people are just not, they're not doing that. And you're just like, so we're stuck with like hot Cheeto dust on chicken. <laughs> This is what happens with a lack of color. Uh, right. Hot Cheeto dust goes on like Friday. Right. And, and no one cares. Long, right? like, like, no one else is concerned that we're using hot Cheetos as like, <laughs> ew. Uh, right. It's, um, it's terrible. I, it's oh my God. terrible. Like, who is doing? Someone stop them. Please, someone please, stop them. Please, please. <laughs> um, now with the, the magazine, what you guys produce in the magazine and, and putting it out into the world, at this point, like if someone was to offer you the opportunity to put together like your dream magazine or your dream publication, even if it was only one time, no, no budget or any of that, like what would that look like for you? Hmm. I feel like for me, <laughs> like I like a lot of things like I that's kind of like my problem. I want to do everything. I, I want to try everything. So I think I kind of want it to be a collection of like how my brain kind of works. So Ugh. a little bit of like drawings. I am a visual learner, so I wouldn't want it to be like a whole lot of, you know, like paragraphs and pages and pages. It's good to read. So I do want some information in there, but you know, I feel like diagrams and drawings, that's a really good way to like show like kind of like what's going on in like your head and kind of like show what you really want um, the viewer to like see. So a lot of diagrams and a lot of like visual um, things and kind of just like what goes on in my head from like on a day-to-day basis. So let's say I wake up in the morning, I'm like, hey, okay, what do I have in my fridge? Okay, maybe mm. I'll make some matcha today. Like, okay, and then I'll show like a matcha recipe and then like how to incorporate matcha powder in this and like how to, you know, how to do certain things. So not like a a regular regular (laughs) i like this though i like this i feel like this is more interesting this is more interesting (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's isn't that what we're people are attempting to do on like social media though they're trying to figure out how to like curate a message to the rest of the world about who they are and what they're into and and Mm -hmm. some type of like structure unfortunately is wild kingdom most of the time out here (laughs) but for the most part like if you find a really cool like curated um, timeline or feed from somebody. It, yeah. just, it feels like they're really thoughtful about it. You're like, yeah. okay, so I know what they're into. It's not linear and I'm not like just looking at someone yeah. who's completely into like Minecraft and that's it. <laughs> so I'm not against Minecraft, yeah, but yeah. I've, I've seen some of these accounts and I'm concerned for their safety. Um, people who have like yeah. a fixation <laughs> right. on one thing and it's like, okay, that can be cool, but yeah. the folks who are like really mm-hmm. doing they are on a different level and in all of the nuances mm-hmm. about what they love and what they're passionate about like those are always the ones i'm most attracted to yeah. so if i can like capture that in a magazine definitely because mm-hmm. unfortunately magazines are you know the, yeah. they have to it's a social commentary and it's not like an individual commentary so yeah yeah we're kind of stuck with that so um <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say my kind of like magazine kind of lost be, it. I'm not sure. Like something that oh, like kind of like a coloring book, but like a lot of pictures. I like things that have a lot of pictures and kind of give me like a visualization of like, oh, that's supposed to look like that, but in like a fun way. So it looks like, you know, it was made by like a little kid. 
and and like the recipes would be more like simpler oh, recipes, yeah, yeah. something that doesn't take like, you know, five hours. Because I, I know when I try to make dinner, I'm always starting at like 8 p.m. And, you know, that thing <laughs> takes and like I'm eating dinner at like 12 p.m. at night. So something that's like quick and easy, <laughs> but like also like tastes good. Not just, you know, <laughs> not just like, you know, something I'll take like all day. Just, you know, quick and easy recipes that like anyone can really yeah, make. And yourself, anyone please. that can like kind of understand like, the kitchen and stuff. Four so hours. That fun. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Okay. It's a whole like it's a whole different day now, and I don't I don't even want it anymore. Right. <laughs> well, I have I've been collecting um, like anime inspired and um, like cook, uh, comic book inspired um, cookbooks mm-hmm. at this point because I'm really interested in mm-hmm. seeing how we can reshape that process for people because like when I used to teach cooking classes I never Mm -hmm. taught recipes I always taught techniques and I used recipes to help people practice Mm -hmm. that was it and because I feel like cooking from a recipe can be beneficial if you have a base of like cooking skills but if you're trying to learn how to cook using recipes it's just not going to work because you're constantly having to come back to the recipe. Yeah. Recipes are about a certain outcome and not necessarily a skill set. And so like when I'm looking at recipes now and the way people are doing like food blogs and, you know, magazines and things like that, everything's kind of recipe driven and no one's really walking away with a skill that makes them excited to cook the next thing. So you have to always go, Oh, I cooked that magazine. I cooked the recipe in that magazine. And then you don't go back to it because there's nothing that you really gained from it, except for like that one time meal. And so I'm interested to see how we can reapproach that. And, you know, talking to a lot of like a lot of the black women that I interview for the podcast, you know, in their homes growing up, it wasn't like we kept recipes that way. We don't keep recipes in the traditional like European sense where you write it down on a little card or in a little book. We didn't get, you know, when people were getting married or moving out of their houses, no one was handing them a little notebook of all the family recipes. If you Mm -hmm. wanted to learn how to cook something, you had to take yourself, your little ashy self into the kitchen and sit there (laughs) until someone and watch quiet and stay out the way and you know for me it was like there's something to that though because you get to fine-tune certain instincts you get to you understand like when something smells right and smells done whereas Mm -hmm. with a recipe you don't get those types of cues written into like a head note or anything like that it doesn't tell you hey when you know when you're when your roux is ready it's going to smell like this yeah they'll give you like oh it'll look like milk chocolate i'm like okay but everyone has a different (laughs) visual cue for stuff like that so you give them like all of their senses. What does it smell yeah. like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? You know, when someone's like, hey, you want to make sure you cream mm-hmm. butter and sugar. And people are like, oh, I thought I did it enough. And it's like, but if you put it between your fingers and mm-hmm. you still feel these whole g- grains of sugar, you're not ready to go yet. Yeah. It should change color. It should have volume. It should be aerated. It's like all these cues yeah. that never make it into a recipe. That's true. And so for me, it's like, how can we, yeah. how can we reapproach teaching those things? to people in a bigger, in a bigger way, like, you know, using a a hand sketch to explain a cooking process instead of like constantly having to take the picture. And, you know, that was something I'd I'd been arguing with someone about, like, why do we have to keep (laughs) photographing everything? Can I I get like someone to sketch that please? Or, you know, maybe someone great at like watercolors and, you know, let's have them paint that instead of like taking a photograph of it. So I just think we have, there's a lot of places we haven't gone yet and how we like talk about food and how we help people cook and those types of things. So, so yeah, that's why I'm just like, what else can we be doing? Cause <laughs> these, these folks are scared to like step out of the, 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 the box that we've built for themselves. That's and I'm like, but no one told you you had to do it that way. Right. Right. Like no one's going to come to your offices and arrest you. <laughs> We're not doing that. I mean, they, they might do that to us, <laughs> but they won't do it to y'all. Because, right. Right. But you've decided these are the standards for, you know, food publication, (laughs) not anybody else. So, like, Mm -hmm. step outside your box and try something else. Um, (laughs) So, okay, I think we got, like, yeah, we got, like, about 10 minutes. We're going to do some rapid fire. We're going to do a little rapid (laughs) fire. Okay. Um, Favorite celebrity chef right now? You don't have one. You go ahead. (laughs) Probably, like. Uh, Buddy from Cake Boss. Oh I love. I loved watching. Okay, show. so I yeah. would say for me, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say Joshua Weissman because okay. I always see like his videos on on Instagram, and you know I always see you know. Oh, oh sorry. 
I think she's just, uh, hold on one second. Okay. That should be catching up. All right. Try that again. So I got Joshua Weissman. I've I've, I've been following him a little bit. He's, he's always a lot of fun. I'm just like, yeah. yeah, sir. Yeah. I like, I like what's got going on there. Um, his videos are like definitely like easy and like they're to the point and which is mm-hmm, what I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think we might have, there she go. I was like, I think we lost Hasna. Uh, is she there? She all right? She underground somewhere. We don't know what happened. So, see if she. Yeah, the connection's a little groggy over here too. Blink twice if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no. Yeah, I think she's like pause, pause. I don't see her voice line. Up. There we go. There we go. I see. Now I'm catching some of your vocal again. Can you hear me? Let's see if the video wants to catch up. Okay. There you go. Okay, I see you laughing. I'm sure you can hear us being ridiculous. Okay. Okay. Okay, I can hear you now. There we go. Okay, so um, we've got Joshua Weissman on the table, and for you, for like favorite celebrity chef right now. Okay. I'm in the chat at this point, just making sure. She's still a Can you hear okay. me now? Well, you know what? We're going to power through. Okay. Let's see. This is the beauty of editing, huh? All right. Yes, you just straight up for it, man. So this is the beauty of, of editing. You go in and cut these things out. <laughs> right, right, right. All of this out. <laughs> is that better? Okay, you're. I mean, the latency is a little bit, but it's but your visuals are better, so it's probably catching up. So I won't worry about it too much. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. So, okay. so uh, celebrity chef is where we left off. Oh, okay. Uh. I saw a lot of bakers, so I would say like Buddy from Cake Boss or Rosanna Pancino from Nerdy Nummies. Ooh, I really, I used to watch her YouTube channel all the time, so I would have to say like those two. Uh, I love just like watching, enjoying their videos. Oh, okay. Now, is there anything you are, yeah. as far as, are you watching a lot of like food, like video content, food television content, that kind of stuff? Um, not a lot as like other people are, but um, something I enjoy is like Netflix food um, food shows. Yeah. Like there was one they did like uh, Leftovers. That was a really good okay. one. They, like the people had to make leftovers on that one. So kind of like Netflix, like the fun okay. ones that are like that, but not like on TV, not so okay, much. Yeah. I mean, essentially we're watching 60 hours of Chopped, so it's all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, how much Chopped are y'all giving us? Right, right, right. Chopped for the love of God. <laughs> um, I also, I love all. I love those chefs individually. You know, they do great work. But Lord have mercy. Um, is there um, is there something outside of like what you typically eat at home that you have kind of been obsessing over that you've been trying to like recreate at home that you are just kind of you've been finding mm-hmm. yourself just kind of coming back to it and eating it over and over again. <laughs> Mm. for me every time i go to the city i go to koreatown and like there's like a whole like there's like a whole row of just like food i'm just like let me get some of this let me yes. get it's just amazing me in koreatown we live there it's y'all. just amazing i can i could live there and the last time i went i went to a place called abiko curry and they had like curry ramen it was so good oh my god and i I wanted to have, I wanted to go back there ever since like I went like a month or two ago and I don't know if I can recreate it. Maybe I can, but I know it will not taste the same. So I just need to go back. I just, that's it. Like, it's obsessive though. Like I got into Korean food cause there was a, um, when I lived in Arizona, there was a little Korean grocery store and there were these three old Korean women 
who used to make all of the kimchi from scratch. And so we started with that. Like we, we like me and my sister started watching, like obsessively watching like Korean dramas mm-hmm. and then watching a lot of them we have all this food. They, the Koreans believe in eating. They eat. Yeah. They eat for all the things. They're like, you feel bad, you need to eat. Yeah. Like, you're sick, you need to get something. To eat. <laughs> so like they believe like everything can be solved with a meal, which mm-hmm. I'm all about. And so <laughs> we started watching some of the dramas that had like just huge meals. And so I was like, okay, I think I can pull some of this stuff off. So when we found the Korean grocery, it was just like, okay they are back you're really making this kimchi like like, they're making rice cakes they're doing all the things and so we went in the place is probably the size of my bedroom right now and you're just kind of like squeezing between there's like seaweeds and um rices of all kind and it's just like all of the stuff and so i got to a point where it was just like how can i like recreate some of my favorite stuff so we started doing i started with like kimchi fried Mm -hmm. rice um in the beginning and then started working my way over into some other stuff and like the only thing I haven't really approached or attacked yet is like the Korean fried chicken because there is a nuance and a beauty to that. That they, yeah, look y'all. If we can, it's I mean, honestly, I feel like you can put some like African American fried chicken and some Korean fried chicken on the table, and I'm gonna be like, it's a <laughs> by, you know? <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, I am. I am with you on this. At some point, you know when. The world has acted like it has some sense. I'm a, I'm a, we go, I'm gonna email you, be like, meet me in, in K Town. We're gonna, yes. we're gonna chop this up. <laughs> in K Town. Yeah. Yeah. Where can we meet you at? Where are we, where are we going? Um, honestly, I've been trying for a minute to make ramen. I'm not saying it tasted good, <laughs> but I've been trying. Okay. So that's something like that I've been trying to get into, but um, I don't know what what's going okay. on. <laughs> what's wrong? Are you, with are you it, making but, the noodles? But yeah, it's just okay, no, so you are, no, you're no. that ambitious. Okay, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so you're looking at like your stocks and yeah. all of the other things. Okay. Yeah, what's, yeah. It is it is an art form. The stock itself, I mean, can be they can be cooking that thing, those things, that stock for like four or five days at a time. So, I mean, I wouldn't feel bad Mm -hmm. necessarily about not pulling that off yet. There are some really (laughs) great bases that you can get online or from like Target. They come in, um, most of them are are miso bases. And so you're going to get a little bit of that punch. But, and as I plug this computer back in, um, but I would think about um, using, what is it, amino, like the uh, liquid aminos. For some reason, it gives you mm-hmm. more flavor than the soy sauce. Like it gives you, fl- it gives you a, a nuance. It gives you the nuance from yeah, like yeah. oyster sauce. So there's some complex. There's a little more complexity there because it is the soybean. Um, and then you know, you know how soup is better the next day because the, all the flavors get a chance to like mellow and melt. Yeah. Maybe do your Setting, stock. Yeah. Wait to the next day. Then wait. That's right. That's right. Gotta try that. Try that because yeah, because I feel like that might be where that because it's it's always right there. Like if you can't get the stock right, it's always going to be. Why just might have made a pot of chicken soup? Like what was the point of this? <laughs> should make a pot of beer. I shouldn't even be right. worried about it. So yeah, and then of course a lot of their stocks are pork based. So you have like there is going to be like mm-hmm. you're going to get those slight nuances. But I feel like there's yeah. a there's this potential for pulling those flavors together like how whatever you eat in life i feel like there's a way to capture that in a bowl of ramen um one of my favorite ramen people right now okay see i don't have to look it up now it's rashid her it's chef rashida she does she did a ramen pop-up not too long ago um and she is on these interwebs okay here we go Cause we were going to, we, I was going to go to her pop-up and it was like, cause she, she puts like black eyed peas in her ramen. She like, her stock is, she does collards in her ramen. Like she's really out here just mixing these two cultures together and they go together beautifully. And so it's just like where and how, and how can I be a part? Right. Okay. <laughs> I know she in here. Oh, here she is. Rashida Purdy. It's, um, she is on Instagram as uh, at ramen. You know, I'm just going to put it in the chat because y'all need to know. Because she's out here giving us our lives in the ramen space. And she's been in like, gosh, she's been featured in so much at this point because of like how she is pulling those cultures together to right. do what she do. Because um, she did the last um, the last event she did, she had three courses. She did um, these deviled eggs 
with like a marinated egg white, um, with miso, with pickled ginger, with crispy shallots and a little bit of seaweed. She did a, a, a ramen with like um, a mushroom base. Like she's in here giving you the giving you the wow. jewels and the gems when it comes to the ramen. So and then she also did dumplings for dessert and a tea. And so, yeah, if check her out. You can probably, you know what? I'll, she, you can probably hit her up in the DM to see like what you, what some tips you can get for for your ramen situation. Because <laughs> this is a black woman in the space, mm-hmm. like doing the things, and like like I said, she has this way of presenting like culturally what we're eating, but in this framework of like a bowl of ramen. So yeah. I feel like she could give you some winning mm-hmm. points. But like I said, the liquid aminos I think could boost your situation a little bit. And um, especially if you're not, put, mm-hmm. like I said, you're not putting pork bones in it. So you're likely either chicken bones yeah. or something else. You're going to need that. You're going to need that stock. Yeah. yeah. You're going to need to get that stock right before the whole thing. Yes. Before the whole thing goes well for you, you're going to need it. <laughs> uh, okay. So final question. Um, what advice can you give to like this next generation of chefs? or food people or food obsessed people coming through who will probably go to like food and finance high school or who might not have access to that type of education at that point in life. What have you learned in like the last five years that you would go, okay, this is something that um, I wish someone had told me sooner and I'll be sure to tell other people in the future about what they should, you know, what they should do when it comes to working in this industry. Mm, I'd say for me, like one thing, when I was like going through food and finance, I would, if I would mess up something, I would say, okay, cooking's not for me. I'm not doing it anymore. Like I'm done. Like, and I feel like, you know, with failures, not necessarily failures, but when you like mess up or like it doesn't go the way planned, you can always grow from it. And sometimes when things don't go as planned, you kind of mm-hmm. create something new out of it. And you're like, oh, okay, it messed up. It didn't go as I thought it would, but I did make something better or I made something, you know, different. So I would say like, don't be afraid to like mess up and try to mess up as much as you can. And as weird as that like sounds, because you're going to grow from it. And that's how you kind of like get better. Like you're not going to be an expert the first time you do something and we need to get out of that, you know, that mindset that you have to be a certain way in order to, you know, to move forward. Like you may start at a low place, but the more you practice, the more you continue to do it, you're going to get higher. You're going to get better. You're going to have more fun. And yeah. yeah, So don't be a perfectionist because that was me in high school. Um, (laughs) But it's not, it's not, but you know, keep going, make as much mistakes as possible and have fun. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Miss Hasna. Um, I would have to say to just say yes to any opportunity that like comes to you. Cause I know in food and finance, they give you a lot of opportunities of cooking, meeting different chefs and just being in different programs that like show you like different types of cooking and just, cause I know in the beginning, I still am just very shy person. So I don't really like to do a lot of things that I don't know have to do with like talking. <laughs> so uh, I kind of like pushed myself to try to be into like, um, I don't know, different events and just talking to different people. And that really helped me just be more open-minded to cooking and just like being a better chef overall. Okay. Okay. See, this is all the wisdom we typically given out to the people. Anyway, I tell people to, um, until now make failure has always felt like it's been a part of kind of like the a privileged conversation, you know, like white kids get the privilege of failing a lot and people mm-hmm. come behind them and like give them more money and yeah. give them more opportunities and as like a black or brown person in the world you feel like you have to get it right the first time yeah every time and to unlearn that takes a little it takes some courage because you're just like no i'm gonna be out here i'm gonna make these mistakes i'm gonna be okay with that and you know mistakes don't condemn your future they you know they just are what they are in the moment and if you can learn anything it's just like okay so what can i do with what i know now you know, yeah. it's a, it's an opportunity to like yeah. extract a little bit of data and some information to make a different set of choices next time. And because we aren't typically told that that's what they are for us at the very least, it's like, mm-hmm. we have to exist in a world where we are always perfectionists in everything. Like we can't, we can't act yeah. up in public. We can't act <laughs> up in private. We can't, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, there's mm-hmm. no room yeah. for us to make mistakes, but that also stunts that's our so, growth. Mm-hmm. Um, it also leaves us in a position where we don't say yes to a lot of opportunities that show mm-hmm. up because, you know, we feel yeah. like we have to be a certain type of person or have a, meet a certain level or standard of behavior or skill in order to say yes to an opportunity like confidently. Um, so like those mm-hmm. two pieces of advice go hand in hand so much. Um, so I can see why you guys ended up putting out this very beautiful magazine. Cause like those, those thoughts definitely, um, 
you know, support each other. It's like, okay, embrace mistakes and learn from them so that when the time comes and an opportunity comes in front of you, you don't, you're not overwhelmed with like an anxiety to say no, because you don't think you've met a certain standard. And um, so, yeah, so thank you for popping on here. Um, So, yes, so uh, ramen. (laughs) So what we can do is see the ramen plays into the Koreatown situation. So what we could do is we could create a moment where I can meet y'all in K-Town and we can all go to a ramen place. Yeah. And we can yeah. all take, there's a ramen right. place next to the Korean grocery I'm store. There's a mm-hmm. place next door to that that has some really excellent ramen that mm-hmm. we can go back to. So that's what we can do. We can set that up yes. so that we can all go and we can enjoy the ramen and like really just discuss what we are eating. So yes, you can yes, right. yes. <laughs> that's Yeah, yeah. Doing. That's what exactly. Exactly. <laughs> thank you guys so much uh, for joining me. I appreciate this so much. I'm like, I'm so glad to know, like, as, as, and I'm not, I don't consider myself old, but <laughs> I feel like I'm seasoned. <laughs> and seasoned. it's nice to know mm, that the seasoning is not stale, that it's yes, still flavorful, yes. potent. Yes. Um, to the point where I definitely am like, yeah, see, we all having the same problem with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm, so I'm mm-hmm. not completely <laughs> off mark um, that I'm looking at the world of food with the right eyes because I am more obsessed about the future of food than anything else. Like I think as black people, as we learn our history and we learn about where certain foods come from for us and like what, what we contributed to like American cuisine and those kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. We have to take that information and think about what we do in the future and how we shape American cuisine in the future as ourselves. And so I'm really yeah. like so focused on that. And so anyone who looks like they are, you know, leading the charge in that direction, I'm all, I'm all about. And I'm just like, what can I do? How can I help you? Do you need support in something? Who do you need to talk to? How can I connect you with somebody? Because I feel like those are conversations that like right now we're, we, we're, we're left out, especially specifically black women. Like we are left out of like those kind of the future of types of conversations. And I feel like, but we're the ones with all of the, uh, the technology in our brains to get us there. So I don't know why y'all ain't talking to us, but okay. That's true. That's true. We'll keep it to ourselves. I, I mean, I later. <laughs> you will come have a conversation with us later. I mean, right. Right. You always do. So right. now. we'll wait. Um, so yeah. So thank you so much. I love what you guys are doing. I'm excited to see what you, you know, what you do in the future and like the kind of the work and the shifts and changes that you guys implement and inspire in the rest of the world because they are so desperately needed. And uh, so, yeah, so I appreciate y'all. And, uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank so, you so much for having us and taking the time you. to interview us. This was fun. Like, you know, yeah, when you get interviewed, it's like, like you said, it's like the same thing that you see on Google. So like, how old are you? Or like, yeah. what school do you go to? Like, you can look that up. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of like, any of that relevant though? Right. Like, is that yeah, part yeah. of the discussion? I don't, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I really don't.